The Rakdos card is so busted, though. It's nuts. Just a three mana five five menace create four clues like normal normal magic card stuff. Yep. And he has a silly little hat. Yeah, they really stuck to the detectives must have a silly little hat thing. Even the devil who isn't wearing any clothes at all, but happens to be a detective because he makes clues, gets a silly little hat. Well, that's how you know he's a detective. Because he makes clues. And he wears really? a silly little hat. Even with the silly little hat, he doesn't look like a detective to me. He's also just a 5-5 five, five menace, which isn't the very detective stat line, I would say. Well, he's going to detect why you're dead very quickly. Mm. Man, I still comparing that card to Season Firemancer from Modern Horizons 2 <laughs> is like, jeez. <laughs> it also does artifact synergies. Like, you get four artifact tokens if you have anything you can do with those that aren't just like it's nuts yeah i was like oh i want to put this in the artifact cube because it makes four tokens four clues yeah. and i'm like it's probably too just, strong yeah <laughs> it's they're just like dead they're, they just they're <laughs> to gonna the five, die to the five five, five with menace. menace and then if they manage to su survive it then you're up like you just either crack clues or use like what the, why <laughs> but it's not legal in any real format so cool. anyway i'm greatly looking forward to the commander decks which are all being spoiled tomorrow yep because if that's in the clue set shoot what are they gonna put in the commander set Hey everyone, welcome to episode 326 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rapple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hi, Chris. No tannin this time. A solid two-hour episode, but it didn't overlap into the next week. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I have another two-hour episode. A podcast just came out I have looking forward to listening to. <laughs> so maybe we won't go that long today no i don't think there's any need to so today we're going to talk just a little bit about our weekend we had some successful standard battling both of us did i think and then we're just gonna like lean into previews because we haven't really talked about any of the mkm cards yet and we're getting just a deluge of them so we gotta we gotta keep up yeah not only mkm but also clue and commander there's more cards than I can possibly keep up with. Oh, what's funny is that Quinn thought that the clue cards were all fake because they saw the the set symbol. The C. Which, yeah. which is just a C. It's not like stylized or anything. It literally is just like the letter C that anyone could draw. And they were like, oh, I just thought that was like, you know, the custom card default expansion symbol. <laughs> It does look like a card that somebody would like post onto a forum. Like, what do you guys think of this custom card? You're like, I don't know. Maybe five five is a little too big. Just <laughs> three mana card. <laughs> three mana that makes four clues. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been fun looking at all the the random cards that come out. Yeah, multiple people have like tried to like kind of explain to me what the clue thing is, and I still don't understand it. So I'll just see when it see it when it comes out. I guess. I'm not going to explain it to you. I'm just going to say what I thought it was going to be and like my vibe. So 
in the previews leading up to it, like the season where they're talking about the products, they're like, it's going to be a new take a multiplayer magic where there's like a game around it. And I'm like, okay, maybe that could be interesting. And I'm looking at all the cards and I'm like, this is, this is just commander. <laughs> this, is, this is just commander. <laughs> and there's also a different commander set that comes out with it or not with it, but another part of mkm there's mkm commander that's a separate thing i guess mm-hmm. all right that's fine i mean none of the cards matter to me in any particular anyway, way feed me my little mana leak for <laughs> pioneer and standard yeah uh before we get into it want to thank some new patrons mark and the real jesus or the real jesus i don't it's it's impossible to tell from text the real uh, jesus Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a soccer team, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you all for signing up. Had some people ha- had some additional people sign up and like increase pledges and stuff. I think partially because of uh, my successful weekend with Demir. I, I think a few people upped their pledges in order to get access to the sideboard guide tier. We have a sideboard guide out already. I will update it at, with some of the refinements that I've made over playing the deck over the past week and stuff and uh yeah the the invasion of Amonkhet Demir deck I suppose at this point it's my baby so I'll I'll do my best to to help people get started with it I think that there is room to work on it and it's already at a pretty good spot but there's probably room to make it better over the course of the season yeah I recommended it to someone earlier today who's wanting to get into standard for the standard season and they asked for a traditional Drago control deck. And I'm like, this is 2024. That doesn't exist. <laughs> but I can give you a bunch of flash creatures. <laughs> this is actually like, yeah, it's the, the best way to play counter spells in standard is to do it that way. It's to play it with very mastermind. And yeah, the flash creatures are good. I had multiple games where I like on the play played a subterranean schooner on two and then my opponent passed with mana up. And so then I just didn't play a creature on my turn three, just passed the turn. They looked at the the go for the throat or whatever in hand and just drew their card for turn. And then we got to like play on their end step. And the amount of just wasting people's like mana or game plan because your cards are cheap and flexible and instance is is really nice. So I'll we'll talk a little more about the deck as we talk about our weekend. I mean, do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Yeah, so, I mean, I I just played this Demir deck all weekend. I got an RCQ qualification in one of the more, like, scuffed RCQ performances that that I've been in. You know, the deck deck performed fine, and then I... Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to have to explain yourself. Why was it scuffed? Well, I'm I'm just giving the the broad strokes of the weekend first, and just mentioning that I also top aided the challenge on Sunday. So you know the the deck is the deck is good. The RCQ I got the round one by. Uh, the next three rounds I played were against Collins, Philip, and you. Mm-hmm. So just three people that I came to Wilmington from Raleigh with, basically. Lost to Collins on Mono Red, beat Philip on Esper, played Flyers against you on Four Color, and just like pecked in for damage over the course of the game. Yeah, very rude that my none of, like none of the creatures I drew had reach. 
Yes. <laughs> or my deck, really. <laughs> Finally played against not one of my very close friends the next round on Esper Mentor and managed to uh, get that one and then was able to draw into the top eight, win my quarterfinals, and then got paired against our friend Max, who would like to continue top eighting these like 1 to 1.5Ks. So he yeah. scooped to me because he doesn't want the invite because he would be soft banned from tournaments. And then I was getting ready to shuffle up to play against Collins in the finals. And then Collins let me know that it was a two slaughter. So I didn't have to play another match. So <laughs> perhaps not the most earned RC slot of all time, but not the least earned one either, given the the size of some of these RCQs. And the players you played against like they're all pretty good like i know the esper i know the esper player that you played against i played against him last week and i i was impressed with them yeah yeah he's good Every, everybody i played against like knew how to play their deck i mean three of the people i played against were my friends who are good but the the two non-friends that i played against both knew how to play their deck and understood what was going on and, and played well so you know i did not play against any of the haven't gotten any reps in with my deck, just kind of playing magic type of person that shows up to a number of the RCQs that we play in. I mean, that's RCQs everywhere, right? It's an entry level event. Yeah, exactly. Speaking on Max's inclination to keep playing in tournaments, I am. I don't think I've mentioned that I'm so glad that SCG is changing that for the next seasons. Yeah, because you won your winning into top eight, but then you skipped yeah, it because <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> You didn't care about it, <laughs> and you didn't you didn't want to risk getting uh, banned from from standard tournaments. Well, I yeah, I, I I had a slow group tournament where I lost to CCR, and then I lost to a mono red, and then have a win and end still because my tiebreakers are insane. I've been playing against heaters all day, <laughs> and um, I play against Jesse. Another person we drove up with, and they're playing. He's playing playing Toxic, which a matchup I've actually never played before, but felt like it could not be bad. Like it just didn't feel like it could be. Like the only mm -hmm. relevant thing they could have would be uh, the venerated rot priest combo, essentially. But I like gum the ground up. I have really cheap, really good interaction in a variety of ways that's mm -hmm. uncounterable. So it never felt like it could be bad and it wasn't i just stopped him soaking zoning a couple of times against them makes it like impossible for them to kill you yeah I, I had a particularly gross game where i um jesse plays some sort of two drop i kill it on my turn two then he uh, looks for a land has to look for a third land drop so i get to play my relic on an empty board which is great i'm flying high which immediately gets annex entried. Mm -hmm. So I kill that. I'm telling a story wrong. <laughs> oh, it, it doesn't matter. Moral of the story is there's some really gross draws involving anything with Thorn uh, annex entry and Boseju is just crippling. <laughs> yeah. The fact that annex entry dies to cut down is also incredibly brutal for a three drop that also when it dies at instant speed you probably get blown out in combat it's not it's not great it's, it's tough against the black decks the, the four color deck because i could immediately use the banner from the creature i got back 
Like you, you don't your cutdown isn't often free after you kill an X Sentry, but it is in that deck. Yeah, yikes. Uh, so I, I crushed Jesse in two games and then conceded. I actually think, looking back at the tournament, I could have won the match and we both would have made top eight because my breakers were just so good. Mm. But it, it's not a big deal to me. I didn't care very much. The moral of the story is the Slugrick deck continues to be very, very, very good. Yeah, I do, I do think it's good. I'm looking forward to hearing what Dom and Ari have to say about it on their podcast because I know Dom just won his uh, RCQ with it as well. And, and, and made a couple changes I was actually thinking of because uh, I've been tinkering with the deck, trying to add more looters instead of all these garbage two drops that have been in lists or like Ashnod and stuff. Like yeah. I wanted to put a Bat God in the sideboard mm-hmm. and I looked at Dom's list. There was a Bat God in the sideboard because I was tired of dying to like Flyers and Mono Red. You just need like a guy. Right. And Bat God is one of the best ones for that. Yeah, I've been pretty impressed with Bat God. I had two in my sideboard uh, in my, my current 75 and it, it does that work like like it does that double duty of it's a good grindy card against other black decks that really like have no way of permanently removing it and and it gets value over a long game and then it's also a four power life linker against red that you can just bring in and uh, that can be your end game yeah and the slugurk my needs are a little different because against all the black mid-range decks i'm intrinsically very strong against them so i don't even sure, think I would you don't need it. a grindy end game yeah that's true uh, yeah i wouldn't even board it in against them i don't think but mm-hmm. I needed anything to help me get over life thresholds against Modern Red if I can survive mm-hmm. the early game. Uh, and with Relic, you can get it turn four pretty consistently. Uh, and then any deck with a lot of flyers is actually kind of problematic because your your life total gets really low and they just chip you out and you can't really block them if you don't have Titania. Titania is also why that's in the deck, right? A reach creature that gains life. Yeah. Uh, and Bat's just like a little more aggressive version of that. Bad yep. God. Yeah. But yeah, either way, playing a couple different roles. And yeah, that card has been surprisingly good for like a dorky five drop yeah, four, four. <laughs> with a with a ton of text on it. Like yeah, I guess that I guess that's enough text. Yeah, the joke of the archetype of the Bat God, for me, the standard format has been I'm playing a bunch of Odoars in my deck, and the Odoars typically cost one or negative mana. Yeah. I, I do not bring the back out in against decks against four colors, certainly. And I don't bring it in against like Esper Legends that has multiple Odawaras because it's just not part of that. It's not good to get Odawara. So there's like a cold class of cards that is, I'm really happy to play against. And that's like Shieldred, the back mm-hmm. god. Atraxa even is really bad because sure, you, you draw a bunch of cards and you get to your next thing, but you also have to spend seven mana and I spend one. Yeah. And that's not like a sustainable thing when I have Jason in my deck. You're not just going to keep replaying Atraxa as I keep bouncing it. Like you're, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And that that philosophy is kind of similar actually to the Demir deck where kind of the, the way that it is built, the way that like my version is, is just kind of trying to be as cheap and efficient as possible. And you your opponents like large cards are often just tempo sinks for them that that don't end up mattering that much like anything that costs more than three mana is like really really clunky and hard to make happen against the like four make disappear deck with a bunch of flash guys and so the way i have it built is like it's an invasion of amonkhet 
theme deck almost the the three drops are just for invasion of amiketz for preacher of the schism which is one of the best creatures in standard i believe and uh i would it would be tough to convince me to run anything over any copies of the preachers of the schism in the deck it just does this like standalone job when your other cards trade off that that's incredible and then the rest of your deck is just cheap interaction and cheap flyers and you just kind of plank them to death and then eventually kill them with with restless reef more often than not yeah, or a random pour four you get from the lazatep card yeah i mean sometimes you just want them to play atraxa so you can go for the throat it and then get get a four four atraxa with your invasion of almond that's already in play like the, you know the, there's a lot of games that play out pretty weirdly uh, but I, I've been enjoying the deck a lot and would certainly recommend it. I have also been pretty, you know, had good draws and had good finishes. I got my RCQ, uh, win and I got a top eight in the challenge on Sunday. And, uh, you know, that was a nice stream. We got some, some people watching, we got some raids. It was fun. And I, I will probably continue working on the deck. I think the arena metagame challenge is this weekend, so I might like run a bunch of arena like see see how an arena stream goes and Is that one where you get seven wins and you get like 30 packs or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Maybe five wins. Whatever it is. It's it's like the quote high stakes. Yeah, they usually do it after thing. every uh set release, if I recall yeah. correctly. Cause I I liked playing those back when I actually enjoyed playing arena yeah so or, more I, accurately there's a plague everywhere and now we just pretend there isn't <laughs> yeah it's not great but i am curious to see how an arena stream will go so i'll probably kind of give that a shot this weekend but yeah standard is really good i this is my favorite format right now by by quite a bit yeah i'm looking forward to seeing you at the next rcq <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had like I wanted to qualify, so I had to take it. I am very excited for this not to be the case that I'm banned from from local <laughs> competitive tournaments once I do that. But I will continue playing standard just because I am like it's the most fun that I, I've I can have playing magic right now. I'm really enjoying it. Like the concerns that I had about the decks not being like super defined early on in the format are pretty much just gone. The whole gamut of macro archetypes is kind of available to you in the format and the decks are becoming more and more kind of refined and focusing in on their roles and different like like basically every time I play, I see a new card choice out of somebody that's like, oh, that that's a really good idea. I hadn't thought of that. And that just feels like a good, healthy standard format. And the games are really fun. So I, I'm liking it. Yeah, I can't I can't speak that much to variety because although there have been like a few decks that I've wanted to build, I've been having so much fun with the Slowkirk deck Sure, that that is all I've been jamming and it. I really enjoy playing it. I also think it's very strong. I, I mean, some of this is a personal preference thing, but I also think that the domain deck kind of it's hard to say that like it kind of sucks because it's always like there's two copies in this RCQ top eight and but everything I play. I beat domain with and every time I play domain I lose to everything so I, I I don't know how much of that is probably just like 
the threats that are considered playable in standard are kind of defined by whether or not they're effective against domain and that intrinsically like hurts domain's place in the format even though it is a technically like objectively powerful deck but boy i just feel like my draws where i'm just like okay topiary stomper effectively nothing on board go it just like i feel dead all the time so i i am very off domain and every time i play against it i'm like whew, i know exactly what your range is on each of these turns and it's not going to be good enough here i don't think domain is bad but i mm-hmm. do think it is incredibly stagnant yeah like, i don't really think people are adjusting domain and while it does play powerful cards you're just like playing the same cards in a format that has adapted to you largely and then i don't think that's a winning success like even even though your cards are still powerful and you can still like top eight these tournaments i think domain is a good strategy you just have to i think the players who approach it thoughtfully are the ones who are going to crush tournaments with it yeah like i I don't want to write it off because i think it's still good but I don't yep. I'm not afraid of it, like you said. And and given like that I don't love playing it, my iterations on it were mostly just small adjustments in the flex slots to like patch up the obvious weaknesses and never like big enough overhauls to like to beat all of the ways that people are trying to beat the deck. Like, yeah, you can have temporary lockdowns, but that's not gonna solve all of the problems. Yeah, I think people are reluctant to take a sledgehammer, that kind of thing. Once they start losing, it's easier just to switch to a different deck. But I have seen people start working on the deck and been like more impressed at what they're willing to change and do than just like someone who's just playing the same 75 from three weeks ago. Yep. Or sorry, 70 with five flex slots. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, looking at like the Sunday challenge here with no and i mean i think it's it's more clear online the adjustments that people have made have rendered domain i i think it continues to be more or less unplayable online like in challenges that's probably not as true in paper rcqs just because it's more difficult to adapt and people aren't quite as laser focused but it is not where i want to be online for sure yeah i agree with that Oh, also side note, because I just thought of it while I was seeing Jace's inside in sideboard still. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I played that Bant Toxic matchup, I still had Jace's on my sideboard, and I'm like, wow, Jace is insane against Toxic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Like, anything that's just shutting down attacks, and then, yeah, that, that's... The Bant Toxic deck is... I don't even know exactly how to dis- whether to describe it as like a bad deck that pokes a hole in the metagame or a deck that is powerful at the specific thing that it's doing. Uh, but when you are losing with the Bant deck, you do feel pretty helpless. Especially since your cards are all like pretty bad and you, know right. you can never climb out of the hole once you're in it. Yeah. If you like haven't gotten even you know it's turn three and you like haven't even gotten that first poison counter on them and they're starting to take the board like it just doesn't feel your cards are really really bad man yeah right yeah i do i am high on mono red i think mono red is maybe the best standard deck and i don't actually know what its bad matchups are I think it's just very strong and get is very 
like really gets under people and has you know Urbrask Forge is like the best sideboard card Mono Red has ever had. And it's really strong. Yeah. I, I think that the deck is just it overperforms where I thought it would be, and I think it's really good. Yeah, I don't really have I, I don't really have anything to add. That Kamano Faces Kakazan is just when your Stupid. opponent leads with it, you're like, oh god. And you know the card is gonna do like minimum three to mm-hmm. upwards of seven damage to you. <laughs> well, and and the way that it just messes up your ability to interact is so crushing. It's not just that it's really efficient damage wise. It's also that it turns off cut down for the first several turns of the game. And so engaging with the deck can be very difficult depending on the type of draw that they have. Yeah, it's really annoying that you can't cut down Felden when they mm-hmm. go, you know, on the play, turn one and come out of his Gagazan, turn two, Felden with a yep. with a counter. So it's a three yep. three attack you. You're looking at your cut down. You're like, oh, well, I guess I'll just die. Yeah, I, I don't. I, none of my cards do anything in this spot. Yeah, red is good. Which Stalker Frenzy, just incredibly efficient. One of the reasons that I'm generally a little bit low on Shieldred right now, and this is a reason that I, I like my version of Demir. If you're so, you know, one of the main questions that I get is why no Gix? And there's a few reasons for that. I'm, I'm definitely not sitting here saying Gix is bad or anything like that. But Gix does occupy the same kind of space as Invasion of Amonkhet, and I'm just a little higher on Invasion. Gix also makes you really want Shieldred in your deck in some number because they go together really well. And also you will lose some life to your Gix and Shieldred to like buffer that life total later on is just nice to draw into. And I am not super high on Shieldred at the moment. Obviously, she's very good every time she survives shoulders an incredible card but it also dies to a doom blade or gets countered by a make disappear a pretty significant amount of the time and a lot of the games where that happens that tempo sync is kind of unrecoverable and so i i prefer not to play shielded right now but i don't think that it is wrong to i'm just a little lower on her than at certain other points in standard well, anything else you want to talk about standard-wise before we move on to everyone's favorite season? Yeah, it's preview season. I don't have anything specific. I think there's several good decks in standard that you can play and get some reps in with them, and the, the standard is really good, and there's no like obvious best deck that you must play, but you need to know how to play against everything. So um, have have fun with it. Woo! All right, previews, previews, previews. Yes. Do you want to alternate back and forth? This is your show. You've put, you've painstakingly pasted the cards onto uh, this lovely document. I don't want to take away your presentation flair. All, all I did was scroll through Scryfall and grab the ones that I have like given a single thought to, and then put them in a document. There, you'll notice that they're mostly in alphabetical order. All right, let's start with the one I hate the most, then. Okay. Leyline of the Guild Pact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a four mana enchantment. It costs. Hmm. It's a real. It, it real costs four, it costs four hybrid mana, right? Yeah. And all the hybrid mana is green, but it's all different colors beside that. You can pay it with four green, or you can pay it with any combination of green and the other colors. Like it's it's a very oddly. Mm-hmm. Gigantha mana cost. And as an enchantment, 
if it's in your opening hand, you can begin the game with it on the battlefield, like most ley lines. Uh, each non-land permanent you control is all colors, and each land you control are every basic land type in addition to their other types. When this card was previewed, Magic Twitter had a little field day about mono green devotion because this is four green devotion because it has four green hybrid mana symbols that you get on turn one for your nykthos needs i do wonder flavor wise why the ley line of the guild pact is so heavy green i'm sure there's a story element there that i don't understand there or really whatever. Isn't. it doesn't matter like it, <laughs> it I don't, theoretically the the ley line of the guild pact should be equally all five colors <laughs> you would think but it's very green or very not green if you're you could play it in a deck that's just four color non-green is the only other like yeah, non-green like combination you could play Easy. so pretty weird design to design a card that effectively has no text except for a mana cost and the fact that you can put it onto the battlefield for free let me talk about some of the neat things i like with it Mm -hmm. I like that it works really well with Scion of Draco. I think that's super adorable. Like, you, you <laughs> all, think immediately... All your creatures have all five abilities, yeah. Yeah, they have First Strike, Trample, Vigilance, Lifelink, and Hexproof. Yeah, and you a, don't even need to, like, fetch a Triome to cast your Scion for two. No, you can just keep playing with your fetches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you never need to fetch if you start on Leyline. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all the types. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty cute. My least favorite part about this card and why I hate it is because it's basically designed to narrow down to just being four green symbols for Nykthos. Yeah. Which is miserable. I hate it when cards are just reduced to one single aspect and you ignore all text on them. Yeah, I don't love that. That's why I don't like Devotion in general, but... I... I suspect that ultimately the the mono green leyline of the guild pack deck will not It'll be, be terrible. Good. That that's my suspicion. But this certainly sets you up for some nut draws. If you start with a leyline and an elf and you play a Nykthos on turn 2, you can cavalier on turn 2. And that's kind of the the baseline. This is what this lets you do and then you just have infinite devotion from there effectively. I think it could be interesting in other non mono green spots, like mon non devotion spots. Mm -hmm. Like it is an enchantment that gives every land you control every land type. So yeah, incarnation would love to start with one of these right. each game. Like it's very good with incarnation because your your mana could use help, and it's this is a great enchantment. Uh, it also works with Valakut really well in modern if you wanted to do like some crazy. Ruin with that yeah i think valakut doesn't like you can already be bring to light valakut and have your lands mostly work you probably don't need this in modern is all i'm saying you can play this in creativity and not how i got off of mana base <laughs> playing this card just to hope that you don't have the terrible <laughs> mana base some number of games i don't think is the the primary application <laughs> of this card i suspect no Definitely not, but it makes me smile. Realistically, two spots for this, and it's mon a mono green deck that doesn't feel like it will be good enough just because it's so hit or miss and, yeah. and 
you know, I mean, you know, the, the mono green deck does have the advantage of when you draw the ley line on turns that you can cast the ley line and also activate Nykthos, it effectively costs zero mana or it gives you mana if you're activating Nykthos multiple times in the turn. So it's not like drawing it is always dead, but it's not good. Um, Enigmatic Incarnation is the other place that I actually could see this. The games, though, when your opponent goes fires of invention and you're like okay what you got and then they just cast ley line and pass are, are gonna be some of the like biggest sigh of relief because like, all right i got another turn to, to do some stuff there's nothing happening quite yet yeah but i mean that's fires is always kind of got a, a a dud turn every now and then yeah and, and it's not like because of this card or anything i'm just saying like that this is going to be a funny like non-card to follow up fires with i i think that that turn is really and it's entertaining that that could exist but when they get to enigmatic incarnation away uh, discard and get a five drop that's that's cooking yep, yep. And, and that gives you more like turn three or turn four i guess you know depending on how you build your deck but usually turn four but that gives you access to more hand configurations that lets you turn four enigmatic away a four mana enchantment and get a five mana creature it, it's not just fires into incarnation and then lose my fires which i actually still want to have in play it's like this thing too and i i think that that is potentially pretty powerful because the fives kill you like they they stabilize immediately good. and then kill yeah. you really fast Anyway, I hope this card sees zero play and gets unprinted as soon as possible. Yeah, it's kind of cool in Incarnation, but I, yeah. <laughs> I like cards with text on it. I don't know. Is that like a crime? <laughs> hey, fixing your mana in Incarnation is is kind of nice. Yeah, that's why I like it in Incarnation. <laughs> play my Fabled Passage. Don't have to Don't have to fetch with it. Yeah, but open on two Fables and a Ley Line. You're like, oh yeah, we, we're oh, doing yeah. it. <laughs> your uh your leyline binding you can just leyline binding turn one with this thing yeah off of able pass it even yeah amazing they won't see it coming i can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> at least not the first time woof all right i guess next we should talk about no more lies sure no more lies this is mana leak blue white instant counter target spell unless this controller pays three if that spell is countered this way Exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. I think this is a pretty clear shoe in to make Azorius control probably the best deck in Pioneer pretty quickly. And it's just going to be really good in there. And I'm like kind of bummed that they print it. I, I don't like the school of counterspell design that's like take a classic counterspell, make the generic pip white and then give it like a tremendous upside. This is Mandalik that exiles. Dovin's Veto is negate, but uncounterable. I think that neither of these things are like improvements over the original. Uh, I don't mind this one very much. I think it's reasonable. Dovin's Veto is heinous though, because it yeah. basically at the point it was printed, invalidated all ways people at the time were even trying to attack that deck. Yeah. I, I do think that Mana Leak is really good in Pioneer. Incidental Exiling is obnoxious because I think multiple ways that you attack Blue-White in Pioneer include recursive threats. Like, one of the main Phoenix plans involves hardcasting Phoenixes. I, I don't really mean to, like, downplay how good this card is. I think it's right. incredible. 
it just doesn't bother me that they made more text for a white pip. Like, I kind of prefer this card exists rather than actual mana leak be printed <laughs> into Pioneer. Maybe. I, no, I, 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 I do. Would prefer that, to, I, I do prefer that. I would prefer to spread the mana leaking around and give everybody access to it rather than, like, restrict it completely to the pro probably the most heinous deck in the format. My goal is to pump up blue-white as much as possible, and eventually we'll ban all the cards I don't like out of Pioneer. See, the thing is, not none of the individual cards in blue-white could, like... Like, all of the individual cards in blue-white are at, like, not-dead-after-all levels of, like, goofiness if they caught a ban, right? Okay, A, Yorion. Yorion exists. Yeah, okay, sure, Yorion should get a ban, but blue-white can exist without Yorion. People just try to play it without Yorion for some reason. Yeah, I feel like the Yorion decks are head and shoulders above yes, the non-Yorion Yes, I think decks. they are clearly better, but the other ones still get registered. I can't explain why. Really, the most I'm hoping for out of this card is that just Yorion gets banned, and and I'll settle for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the ability to go to Fairy Hero of Dominaria on top of my two lands, pass with no more lies up, is extremely brutal. And that's going to be a defining part of Pioneer. I mean, no more lies is probably standard playable in some way, but I think realistically its its biggest impact is going to be in Pioneer. I think no more lies is very standard playable, especially since yeah. the mana bases are pretty good and there's a lot of good like fairy mastermind is legal you know yeah i just think that it's actually not that it's probably an improvement but it's not like wildly different from make disappear in standard because most of the decks that are going to be playing this card are probably kind of tempo-y anyways and are maybe playing like wedding announcement and stuff um and the games aren't necessarily going as long but the the gap between a quench and a mana leak in a control deck is is pretty massive yeah this card's very good i don't really foresee myself enjoying pioneer <laughs> for a while yeah <laughs> blue white's so miserable to play it's, against and to play fun. honestly i wouldn't even mind that much if i enjoyed playing blue white but i just don't yeah tough times ahead for for pioneer i would anticipate but good times for blue eye control mages. This is your. This is it. Rise up. The, it's your moment. The, the Jesse, the, the the servers I share with Jesse Robkin certainly like felt the the resounding echoes of this card. So the, the some people are happy about it. All right, I'm, I'm gonna talk about assemble the players. A card okay. I know you really like. This is a, a blur and a white enchantment. You can look at the top card of your library at any time. And once each turn, you can cast a creature soul power two or less from the top of your library. Combos with Bowmasters. Do it on your opponent's turn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I really like this one. I do think that it takes a while to get your value out of this card. Like, the first creature you cast off the top of your library, you haven't done anything, right? Because you've spent a card, and you've gained a card, and you've paid an extra two mana. The second creature you cast off the top of your library now you're actually up a card for one and a white and i like we're kind of there so you need to be playing like very long games for this card to be good you also probably do want a lot of flash creatures in your deck so you can resolute actually... reinforcements time yeah resolute reinforcements because it's once each turn so on your opponent's turn it does do the opposite of 
the play a land off the top of your library things, which is that it doesn't that type of card raises your floor and this one like kind of raises your ceiling. It never gets you out of like, oh, I've got three lands in a row. Well, then you're drawing three lands for the next three turns and this doesn't do anything. No, it's um, worse than doing nothing because every time you draw your land off the top, you immediately look at your next card and know and for know. an entire turn cycle. I'm that, brainstorm oh God, locked. I can't do anything. Look at, <laughs> and then you look at the land in your hand again. You look at the land on top of your library again and you're like, I am done. I don't want to play anymore. You don't even have the illusion of hope that there's not a land on your li- top of your library for next turn. <laughs> so my guess would be that there's two main ways to use this card. I, I mean, like having it as a sideboard card when you know the, the matchup is going to be very grindy and you have a bunch of two power creatures in your deck like that. That's 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 fine. That That's like ancillary. But the two main so ways I, I, I in that situation, I think it's arguable that i don't know if it's even better than Takesha's welcome i i agree i think it's just like a whatever option there's like plenty of things that do a similar thing to actually use this card though i think there's two ways that you can possibly make it happen one is to pop it into like a spirits type deck that has a lot of flash creatures that doesn't mind playing a long game because your creatures like you know your creatures are flying, they're effective throughout the entire game, they're disruptive in ways that are effective throughout a long game, and you will get several cards out of this over the course of a game, and, and you're happy with that. Uh, the other way is if you have ways of clearing the top card of your library and finding creatures, and so that's basically explore. This card is really good with anything that's generating map tokens and giving you like explore on command. And I I think that that is a way of kind of making this card give you a ton of value. And so I'm wondering if this might have a place in, you know, Amalia only plays Collected Company because, like, you need to be able to top deck something after you've been Thoughtseize Fatal Pushed. Collected Company actually is not very good in the deck, but it helps buy you back after... You know, you've gotten one for one a little bit too much and, uh, you know, your return to the ranks isn't happening for whatever reason. Uh, So this could be like a replacement for Collected Company in Amalia that lets you play like much longer, grindier games very effectively, even against hate. And you can have a certain amount of non-Amalia explore in your deck as well that would help enable this and, you know having Amalia in play and assemble the players and then you just like every time you cast a creature you gain a life and you get to explore and find something else like that's really potentially powerful so yeah in the Amalia shell the, this card and Sentinel the Nameless City work really well together mm-hmm. in a very indirect way because I, I actually really like Sentinel the Nameless City in, in Amalia sure just because the map tokens are very high value and it's a creature that actually does something in your deck <laughs> Yeah, uh, and this works well because you always get to look at the top card of your library, so you can filter your top card with explorers, or you can just draw the lands and then try to play the creatures. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sadly, Sentinel is a three power creature, so you cannot cast it with the yeah, you, players. But I don't think you'd be too disappointed to see the top card of your library be Sentinel in English sure. that, that often. So, anyways, that long essay like explanation is kind of where i think this card could be good i think it's interesting i think it's okay yeah nothing nothing crazy 
I don't think it's crazy either. So one of the coolest cards is Delny Streetwise Lookout. This is two and a white for a 2-2 legendary creature human scout. Creatures you control with power two or less can't be blocked by creatures with power three or greater. And if an ability of a creature you control with power two or less triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. If you just scroll through playable creatures, a huge number of them are two power or less and have a triggered or active, well, usually triggered ability, but have, have abilities that this doubles up. Like, creatures just have triggered abilities these days, and this is not just ETBs, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah, you cast Rona, you get two untapped triggers. You can loot twice. <laughs> yes. You hit them with a Malcolm, you get two loots. You only have to hit them twice with a Malcolm with this in order to start casting free spells. Like, you you don't have to look and, hard and at all. And they can't... Oh, never mind. I misread the card. I thought they couldn't chump with bats, but it's actually they can't block <laughs> large things. Creatures. Can't block your creatures. Yeah, right. It's not irrelevant text, but it is trinkety in nature. The the unblockable part probably will you know come topiary stompers can't block and stuff. That's that's kind of a thing. But basically, like you don't have to look to find creatures that this does things with. It also, if you hit it off of a company with any of the other creatures in a collected company deck, you immediately get value, and then she's in play, like, ready to make all of your creatures just completely nuts. Double Amalia triggers? Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how necessary that is, but... You know, you, you see a land, then you get the other trigger, and it's a counter, and you're like, well, okay, Amalia's only triggering once now. <laughs> <laughs> That is a cute part of the design is certain things like Amalia, Ajani's pride mate and stuff like once they have triggered a couple of times, they no longer fulfill the Delny requirement that they have power two or less. My the funniest interaction is with Skyclave Apparition <laughs> because you get multiple things under the Skyclave Apparition, which leads to one of the weirder rules interactions, which is when they get a token, it's the combined mana cost of the exiled cards is the power and toughness of the token it also if delny is in play because both parts of skyclave apparition are triggered abilities because they couldn't they can't template it like banishing light so if delny's still in play when skyclave apparition dies they get two tokens which is pretty incredible i'm, I'm very into the, the, just how like ridiculous these boards can get not a standard interaction, but certainly any like pioneer collected company deck that's looking at this is going to be interested in Skyclave Apparition, but perhaps not interested in that interaction enough. Yeah, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Brew Cathar is uh, right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I like this card. I don't know that like none, none of the combos are like coming to mind, but there will be infinite time to figure them out and i i do expect this card to be very good yeah just like it works with every, you play a deep cavern bat with her and play you take two cards like ev everything works everything is better with delny in play it has to find a spot yeah the, the rafine thing is, is yeah <laughs> it hurts like rafine can target other creatures you can keep triggering double triggering rafine all the time <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. yeah Thraben Inspector. Get two We're getting a Thraben Inspector in the set. Get two clues. Amazing. So yeah, good. Novice Detective. Is that what it's called? 
Yes. Thank you. I, I don't know if you're you're humoring me here. <laughs> I am just, I assume you're right, because where else would those words have come from if that's not actually the name of the card? I just made them up and kind of figured that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's always some one mana creature that's new at the job. Young detective. Small detective. <laughs> Child detective. <laughs> Young Sherlock. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, I love this card. I think it's really cool. I, I don't know the deck, but there will be many. Let's talk about one of my favorite cards then. So yeah. far. This might be my favorite. Uh, it's Lazav. Wearer of Faces. I'm yeah. a sucker for a Lazav. I know. Uh, this is a blue and a black 2-3. Shapeshifter Detective. I guess Lazav's a detective now. <laughs> <laughs> So whenever Lazav attacks, you exile target card from a graveyard, then investigate. Relevantly, this means that if you attack with Lazav and don't and there's no cards in any graveyard, you don't get a clue. Right. Which can happen on like you, know, you play this on your turn too. Your opponent yeah. has a creature in play. You you don't have a card in your graveyard yet. <laughs> uh, but whenever you sacrifice a clue, you can have Lazav become a copy of a creature card exile with it until end of turn. So that's the shape-shifting part of Lazav. It's very cool. Having like this two-drop value creature that makes clues end when you crack the clues, which you can do at instant speed because they're clues. Mm -hmm. You get to turn Lazav into different stuff. Yeah, it's cute. It's a really cute design. I don't know if it's good, but it is a, a really it was good. neat but I've, shapeshifter take. I've been take. through this rabbit hole where I keep playing with like old Rutstein and Ludovic and all these like garbage unplayable legends just because they're legends and Plaza of Heroes is in standard. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. You can do worse. If you need redundancy, the old Lazav is way better, but this one is serviceable and can draw cards. Yeah. I mean, if you're like trying to make your Affine deck blue-black based instead of like blue-white based and you want legends, you know, this can take that, that two-drop spot yeah it's it's a body that can do some relatively impressive stuff it can't you can't quite like full combo it with rafine you can't like discard a creature to rafine on the attack that you want to transform into because you have you know that you can't declare a card that you discarded to the rafine trigger as the target for lazav but you know over the course of a game you may be able to turn this into some cool stuff it's also disappointing that it doesn't work with Wedgens very well, unlike previous Lazavs, which have always been Lazav is the name of this card. Yeah, you can't have two Rafines in play because of this Lazav. Right. Disappointing. But I, I still like the design. I think it's a cool, cool card. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a two drop, so not impossible to find a home for it. Two drop that can draw a card. It's it's kind of yeah. like Kellen, a uh, daring traveler, daring adventurer, maybe. The, mm -hmm. the green white one. Just a two drop that gives you some value. Yeah. You do have to get the attack in with it in order to get any value at all, which is not always the most doable in a cut down format. Just have a clue in play somehow. Wait, no, that doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold on. This card's not great. Okay. But it's it's it's, 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 it's just, solid. You know, it's it's cute. Also combos with Delny. Which yeah. I, will, I will mention for every single two power or less creature with a triggered ability. Yeah, you can make it become a copy of something twice. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I don't know how that's relevant.
Uh, we got a nice little sideboard option for larger formats, particularly modern, in Pick Your Poison. This is a green mana for a sorcery. Choose one. Each opponent sacrifices an artifact. Each opponent sacrifices an enchantment. Each opponent sacrifices a creature with flying. You know, you're a deck that's bad at killing Murktide Regent, but you've got green mana. You put a copy or two of this in your sideboard, and then you can also bring it in in matchups where they have you like amulet. one or two dangerous. Yeah, bring it in against amulet. You can name enchantment and have them sacrifice their Urza Saga. Name artifact, have them sacrifice their amulet or their ring. It also it does kill the one ring, which is kind of nice. It is not good in matchups where they have a pile of artifacts or multiple enchantments, because usually edicting either of those against a deck that's based on them is not going to do anything at all but if they only have one that matters it's it's good yeah i think this was primarily for the merc tides of the world like a, a green mana answer to merc tide is pretty nice and yeah. it has utility elsewhere which is super good yep we're not really trying to have this replace force of vigor <laughs> as much as we're no using it for the creature spot no it's replacing that that other green mana thing that kills a creature with flying that I can't remember the name of that saw that saw some amount of sideboard play. And this is just much better than that. Like target opponent sacrifices a flying creature, something yeah. like that. Yeah, whatever it was. I can't remember its name. I never played it. I, I don't either. I know the art. I can picture the art vividly. Same. Uh, I want to talk about Buried in the Garden. Yeah. This is a two green white enchantment. It's an enchant land. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent. You don't control until buried in the garden leaves the battlefield. And whenever the enchanted land is tapped for a mana, you add an additional mana of any color. This is the kind of card I really like, especially looking for standard and like domain. Yes. This is not strictly better than invasion of Zendikar or whatever, because you're, mm -hmm. you're clearly getting one less mana. But it's very binding of the old gods where you get your removal and your utility like all in one. Yeah. And the utility here is you just go up in mana. Yeah. And you get the mana a little faster than you did with binding the old gods, which is kind of nice. The biggest drawback of this, obviously, is that if they have sideboarded in their destroy evils or whatnot, whenever they kill this, it takes away all of the value. But I agree. I think this is the type of card that Domain needs to be looking at to adapt to the way that the metagame has developed around it. You can't be taking all of these turns off anymore, and you need to be doing something different. And I think Buried in the Garden is a way of doing that. I I am into the idea of looking into... like I know Jerry has been trying some builds with the two-mana like search your library for a for a basic forest and yeah. put it into play. And I think like curving that into buried in the garden is going to beat a lot of people that the topiary stomper invasion of Zendikar version of the deck just falls behind against. I, I agree. I also think this can be played in a lot more places than domain, but that is the <laughs> like the first spot I thought of it. You do need to be going pretty big and probably want access to several colors for it to really yes. like give you that value. Cause that's what the, that's where you get it's where you're getting your value yeah it's like a Traxadex are gonna have a are inclined to look at this card more than once yeah and if you are you know like one of the the turns that you can have is like you 
have five, you, you know you play your fifth land you cast this and then you still ha- you get one bonus mana to cast like another removal spell or whatever or this up the beanstalk that's been trapped in your hand or, or whatever is going on you know this this can be a pretty tempo positive card depending on when you play it and and i, I think it's nice i i'm into this one uh want to talk about the newest unified wheel on the block yeah repulsive mutation is an xgu instant put x plus one one counters on target creature you control then counter up to one target spell unless its controller pays mana equal to the greatest power among creatures you control so for just a green or blue it's a counter target spell target spell it's not like on creature or anything yeah Uh, unless i had to read it again to like verify that because that's really nice yeah you these cards nowadays don't usually just counter whatever you want. Right. <laughs> Being able to counter a creature is pretty nice. Uh, and if you have extra mana, you can dump it into pumping your creature permanently. I, I honestly think the m- main use case of this card is just like GU counter yeah. something. But occasionally you will put counters on stuff and it'll be really good. Yeah, it's just a bonus that keeps it relevant through a long game because it both like gives it extra utility then like sometimes you won't even counter a spell sometimes you're just gonna like end of turn put five counters on my guy on tap kill you but also it makes it still counter a spell late in the game because it's it's like power sync plus your largest power already in play and that's going to counter most stuff Uh, yeah this there's a lot of teething wormlet decks and other things like that that are just going to be really excited about this card yeah for sure i i'm remain skeptical of the blue green teething wormlet decks but this card goes a long way to soothing my fears right it gives you interaction that those decks lacked that you just get to main deck like four copies of this and be able to like your opponent doesn't know that their cards are going to work and that's a big difference kind of like decks like that are almost all sorcery speed cards and when you pass the turn without playing anything Mm. it's like oh i guess they have the one instant in their deck sure (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if there's a different way that you can build the deck or anything but yeah yeah but but having access to more powerful cards in that sphere is very nice yeah yeah i mean i I can also see this Uh, you know simic creature decks are not generally available they don't really exist right now in older formats so this this does feel more targeted towards standard than anything else but the effect is very strong i mean this is just straight up counterspell as long as you have a creature in play most of the time and then it has extra text a reasonable amount of the time too it it has very little it has no text when you have no creature in play so that's you got to be mostly creatures in order to run this card but if you are it's it's good Mm-hmm. I think the most tricky spot to finding a good spot for this card is actually just that. Like, what decks are we actually going to be able to play in this color combination that are good? Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Uh, there's legends and standard that could steer you into being like a three color deck with blue green, but currently there really aren't any. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. Mean, have a Slogurk list in my head a, or anything a blue green legend but That's, we're not really interested in yeah spells <laughs> they're just interested in making their spells do nothing like irrelevant yeah yeah spells come pre-countered because they don't kill slogan 
Right. I yeah, my my initial spot for this is a teething wormlet deck or, you know, something with Ozolith the Shattered Spire in it or something. And then maybe other spots as well. It, the raw like effect on the game that this has is quite high and it's worth keeping an eye out for spots that, that you can make it work in. Yeah, I think that's quite cool. I kind of expect it to see no play, but if it does, it will it's be just good. like I, I, it's like one of those cards colors. that it's not good. Like it's just not going to have a good place. But mm-hmm. if it ever sees play, you're just like dreading the moment someone casts it against you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, let's just do a couple more and that that'll probably be enough. For that'll one be a day. wrap. We, you know, we've we've been going for a little bit. And and a couple more is, you know, never less than like 15 or 20 minutes more talking about cards. That's fair. So. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Did you have one in mind? I mean, all of these are kind of like similar level of worth talking about to me, I guess. I don't know if there's anything here that stands out to you. I have one. Sure. It's not in English, so I don't really know the translation. But it is a blue mana aura with enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, investigate. It's like Curious Obsession, but Much instead of drawing scary. a card, you have to pay two mana to draw a card. <laughs> like down the line. <laughs> yeah. I uh I don't anticipate slumping in my chair in the same way when my opponents cast this as when they cast curious obsession i think this is a good trap card because i saw a lot of people on twitter and elsewhere excited about this because a lot of people do really like the curious obsession like play a flyer suit it up start Mm -hmm. attacking and like leave open interaction and it is like kind of good at that still because you can either use your interaction or if they don't have anything you care about crap clues or you can play your fairy mastermind or whatever Mm -hmm. the real problem is this is like extremely non-efficient compared to curious obsession which kind of hurts but if it enables a type of deck that will trick hundreds of people in the canadian rc to play it you know i say have at it (laughs) so the thing about making multiple clues making one clue is generally pretty similar to drawing a card it's it's obviously worse but like you'll find the two mana at some point and draw the card the more clues you make the further and further it gets from drawing that many cards and like the beating of curious obsession was obviously it had a, a high floor because as, as high a floor as an aura can have but it had a high floor because as long as you landed it on a creature and that creature has flying and would connect, you know, you got your card back. And then if they killed it, fine. And if they didn't, they just lost the game because you keep getting cards and then you keep getting to use your mana on those cards and stopping your opponent's things from having any effect on the game while just like having plenty of cards to do that with. If you have to spend two mana each time to draw the card, like that's just a wildly different game experience for everybody involved, and not one that I'm I'm particularly scared to play against. Because like the the messed up thing about Curious Obsession is that it comes down on turn two and just gets going, and th- this really doesn't have that effect. No more mana investment required. Basically, does not have a downside. You could have forgotten yeah. that Curious Obsession has to sacrifice if you don't attack. 
<laughs> we're just going to keep attacking. I'm going to mention quickly Aftermath Analyst. This is one in a green for a 1-3 Elf Detective when it ETBs mill three cards. Combo with Delny. And has <laughs> three in a green Sacrifice Aftermath Analyst. Return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Uh, Splendid Reclamation ha- has its fans and... I would say would always have its fans, except that this is just so much better than Splendid Reclamation. It's pretty solid. I This is the type of card that's like, I'm going to buy four copies and put them in a box. And, never and there's play. a good chance. Yeah. I will never see a return on this random uncommon. I'll just never play it. Yeah. But, but, but. there's always that one person who's made it their life goal to just make the wildest decks. And maybe they'll have some success with Aftermath Analyst, and I'll be glad I have them. Yep. It enables itself. It's not just a four drop that like you have to have set up in order to do. It like at least comes down and like blocks a thing or whatever. And that mill is probably does, you know, this isn't like a good card just uh, naturally or anything, but boy, it is very internally consistent in a way that that Splendor Reclamation is is just a card that's sitting there like, do the thing, set me up. And this guy is like, all right, that one wasn't really good enough. Maybe maybe we'll push it a little bit more. It, it, and it probably doesn't get there, but I appreciate the effort. Yeah, I don't know if the Splendid Reclamation style effects are mm-hmm. really ever going to be that good in Standard or Constructed in general, really. But I do know that this is like one of the better cube cards in the set. That's definitely true. It, it just does all the thing in one package, which is yeah. really nice in a limited environment. This is also instant speed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, I don't know how many games it's like a problem that you have to cast Splendid Reclamation. And, but when you cast Splendid Reclamation, you cast it on your turn, get it countered or whatever, because it's four, four mana sorcery or resolve it. And then you're tapped out and you pass the turn. And, you know, this guy doesn't ask you to do that. You get to not not run into make disappear with your big sorcery and you get to not pass the turn tapped out after you've done your thing halfway. You get to leave up your repulsive mutation. Yeah, of course. That one, yeah, we found the repulsive mutation deck. <laughs> it's a weird combination, but I think we can make it work. Yeah. <laughs> I want to mention Archdruid's Charm, which I assume we're not getting a cycle of these and like getting Archmage's Charm into standard or anything, but I don't think they intended it to be a mega cycle, like Mm Tolerian Academy and such. The the Lings, like Morphling. Yeah. But now that they've printed a second one, they have to do the next three at some point. Next three. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get like. I don't even know what to call the other ones. Arch, Arch Pyromancer's Charm. No, that's too dumb. <laughs> it is terrible. There's only so many things that like the Arch prefix goes in front of. Arch Zombie. I mean, we'll get an Archangel's Charm, I guess. Yeah. Arc, Arc Villain. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Ar- Ar- Arch Demon's Charm. Ar- and then what's the red one? Arch Devil? I don't, I don't know. What's a red thing? It's really just like pyromancers and goblins. and Yeah. Arch goblins charm. Uh, arch gremlins charm. And just obviously archangel and, and archdemon are 
different con- like conceptually than an archdruid or an archmage like those are earned positions where an archangel and an archdemon are just kind of like that's what i am yeah it's a real profession versus monarchy type of deal yeah genetics versus training and dedication the card itself i'll read the text of i guess we could do that it's triple green for an instant with three modes you can search your library for a creature or land card and reveal it put it onto the battlefield tap if it's a land put it in your hand if it's a creature then shuffle put a plus one one counter on target creature you control it deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control and exile target artifact or enchantment that's I feel like this is not a charm because this is at least five modes. Um, I mean, is disenchant one mode or two? You're arguing it's two modes. <laughs> well, there have been charms that have like artifact killing and enchantment killing as two of the modes. So, you know, yeah. uh, the white command, the white command from Lauren has destroying artifacts and destroying artifacts. Yeah, but separate. you get to pick two modes of I that know, card, but... so it's really kind of like <laughs> laundering its own mode choosing. There's there has to be a charm that had artifact killing and enchantment killing. There's definitely been like just shatter as a charm mode in the past. So Sultai charm has a mode destroy target artifact or enchantment. Bant charm has just destroy target artifact. Esper charm is just target enchantment. Mm-hmm. So Sultai is better than Esper and Bant wow. at killing enchantments well, or artifact. You know, it's several years later. <laughs> We we get a little bit of a power boost. We know that the clans are more powerful than an entire fifth of a world of Alara. <laughs> Anyways, this card does a lot of things. It is intensive in color mana cost, but uh, that is any land card. So you can, you know, grab a Lotus Field. You can grab a Nykthos with it. You can get a creature if you already have your mana set up and, you know, cast your Cavalier of Thorns off of the Nykthos that you've already got. Or if you're in a contested game and you need to deal with a permanent, this can potentially kill a creature or it exiles an artifact or an issue. It just does a lot of things. It does do a lot of things. I think all of them suck, though. I disagree. I I think that, like, if a Nykthos deck exists in pioneer like this is just part of it now why because it it tutors for nikos and a, a thing but that's only like one i guess i actually i, I agree with you the nikthos one is good because it actually uses all the modes right exactly i was thinking of this in non nikthos use cases where i just think it's pretty not good because you're never going to use all the modes yeah i think it's mostly a nikthos card and the fact that it can just be, you know, turn one Lanowar Elves, turn two Rampant Growth out of Nykthos is, you know, that that already is now I have five mana on turn three just from getting the land and going into longer games. It guarantees you more Nykthoses. So, you know, even without like getting devotion stuff, if you go elf into this into cavalier that's a pretty natural one two three curve and then it just kind of like gains utility as the game goes on and also gives you a little bit of much needed like creature removal potentially and i don't know it i, I think it is pretty decent in a nick deck 
I actually really like the creature removal on the Nexus tech because I remember when people were like toying with the idea of playing regular Perlucranos just to have some interaction after <laughs> yeah, Karn was banned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is nice that it like does your main plan and yeah has removal attached to kill it. Kill a ledger shredder with your troll. Like it just helps games where you are ahead but dying to something that will kill you before you can get there this this kind of solves yeah five five troll is pretty nice too yeah it's hard to fight i do also wonder if there's any potential for it probably not because i think it doesn't really work with the mana base and stuff but it does tutor up a lotus field and then i guess can get if you have your lotus field in play can get you a leer it's pretty bad at getting thespian stage because it puts it into play tapped I don't think the combo version of Lotus Field is interested in this card at all. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel like it does anything useful for it. One of the modes is just dead completely. Yeah. And it's actually really hard to cast. The only artifact you care about is Damping Sphere most of the time. So that's going to be hard to cast off of a triple green card. Yeah, very difficult to kill Damping Sphere with this thing. So I don't I don't think this will be part of the combo version, but with Lotus Field itself, if there is some sort of Lotus Field deck that mm -hmm. can support triple green, it's yeah. solid. I don't think that exists, but eh, you could do worse, I guess. Yeah, but I, this this mostly just feels like a Nick those like jack of all trades cards. I mean, that, that also like. Mono Green only had access to the four Nykthoses and then Cavaliers and Storms to find them. And I think that this can change that pretty like changing that changes the deck pretty significantly. I think one of my favorite things after Karn was banned was not was pretending Mono Green no longer existed forever. Mm -hmm. I wish they just banned Nykthos instead. Well, too bad. Anything that makes it a little bit better is going to get talked about and probably push it back into playability. Pushed back into at least people playing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whether or not it's a good choice or not remains. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, I will probably try it. I rely on you to report back then. Yeah. I, I don't think I have it in me to try Monogram. That's fair. But it, it does kind of give you a little bit of that Karn flexibility back into the deck where it, now you just have like a, a pocket knife. The Swiss Army Knife kind of card that does a million things, and uh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, a little Swiss Army Knife compared to Karn's like, Swiss yeah, it's Swiss Army Samurai Sword. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like the General Grievous of Swiss Army Knives. <laughs> yeah, he just like flips out. There's just blades everywhere. <laughs> so I I pulled Cease and Desist just because this is a kind of card that. I mean, number one, like every single split card forever that's printed forever until the end of time is something that you just have to look at because of Cascade. But specifically, I think that this is the type of card that you want to pay attention to because of the collect evidence mechanic. This is effectively yeah. a two mana cantrip. This is a split card. The C side is one and a black green hybrid exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard target player gains two life and draws a card and then the desist side is four and two green white hybrid for a sorcery destroy all artifacts and enchantments don't care that much about that text because what this is is a two mana cantrip that puts eight mana 
into your graveyard for collect evidence purposes, and that could be something that matters. That's a pretty efficient way of getting that number way up. Yeah, this is traditionally the, like, when I saw this card, I was very not happy with it. Mm -hmm. Because this is, like, the two effects that no one can really justify playing and they're just stapled to, but they're very, usually very good against me. And they're just like stapled to each other. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> there's no reason to actually run this card except for like the specifics of the mana cost. But it hates your graveyard and kills all your artifacts and enchantments. <laughs> I and, and for like the the seaside is pretty low ask. Like as long as you need it to like fulfill your banner requirements or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, the two mana exile two things from a graveyard, draw a card, gain two life. Sometimes it's just going to be like your opponent didn't have their graveyard synergy right now and you need to cycle it. So you're just going to gain two life and draw a card. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's like pretty low cost compared to like if the split card was printed in Apocalypse or whatever, where it would just be like exile two cards. That's it. That's all you got. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what collect evidence cards were really like capitalizing off of this interaction with, but you know, this is an enabler for a thing that, that you could need. The most impressive collect evidence card I've seen is the lay of the land, which is mm -hmm. uh, it just gets a basic. But if you collect evidence eight, I think maybe nine, you can get any land or any creature instead. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's an effect that's worth going out of your way as in like paying mana for stuff that you wouldn't otherwise want to pay mana for to enable. But maybe there's a lot of self mill in standard. Mm -hmm. uh, if I, I keep seeing deck lists with seeds of hope in it, which is a really bad card, but it mills two <laughs> cards and it gains a little bit of life and it maybe mm -hmm. gets you a card. Uh, <laughs> and people keep Yeesh. trying to play it. <laughs> I keep seeing these standard lists. <laughs> and then if we're doing like mulches in standard, Ren and Seven is in standard. Yeah. Like anything that's trying to just like mill itself in and can collect evidence to find important cards. That that seems like not useless to me. Like maybe we're playing Aftermath Analyst and Titania and Argoth or whatever. Right, right. Like I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be collecting evidence in standard. I'm just saying that like turning on your traverse the Ilvenwald may not be worth putting cease and desist in your deck. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But there might be other split cards that that's true for. Right. So as more get revealed, that'll be interesting to see if any of them are relevant. And, you know, season desist, if you self-mill it, then that is just eight in your graveyard for collect eight evidence. For free. So that that's that could be pretty nice. Uh, similarly, I, I have push-pull on here. This is a one and a white-black hybrid sorcery destroy target tap creature. Pretty bad, like, front side of this, but not the most useless ever and then pull is four and two black red hybrid it's a sorcery put up to two target creature cards from a single graveyard onto the battlefield under your control they gain haste until end of turn sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step this is actually a kind of wildly powerful six mana sorcery that if you like on a split card because it's not you're not always going to be able to cast a six mana sorcery but there's like a lot of times that casting this will just naturally kill your opponent. <laughs> like if you get an Atraxa and a Topiary Stomper out of your opponent's graveyard and attack them for 11, they might just be dead to that. 
uh, it can put together, I guess, like two creature combinations and stuff. But if the if the push side were like any better at all, a lot of people in standard would be dying to pull just randomly on, on turn 10 of long games. They would just kill them. But I think the push side is so bad that maybe this just doesn't get run unless you're really trying to collect evidence. But uh, that that six mana sorcery is no joke. It's like lethal a lot. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I don't. It yeah. sucks the push. It's just yet another card that doesn't kill Scooter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, sorcery sorcery speed assassinate is not in the realm of something that you want in your deck. I'm not really feeling these split cards so far. I hope I don't know. I guess they they exist to be collected evidence with. Yeah, and I think they're being kind of careful with split cards these days because of the cascade interaction and and it also because like discover is in standard and i don't think they want to accidentally enable a discover deck so they they can't they they may be trying not to push these too hard yeah I, if rhinos just had 30 fire ices yeah. like <laughs> to play with <laughs> exactly hmm we can probably leave everything else for future episodes unless there's anything else that, you know, we could check Scryfall for anything that got spoiled recently that we should talk about. Yeah, I've I've kind of been looking. I'm honestly a lot more interested in the sets uncommons and commons for limited play than I have been at the like constructed pushed cards so far. Mm -hmm. Like it seems the set is a lot more interesting for limited than constructed as of like this recording for me. Yeah. Which I don't hate. I think it's pretty cool. Okay, I do want to mention Krenko's Buzz Crusher, though. Is this I don't, the Insect Thopter? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is a templating mistake or on purpose. But yeah, I was kind of wanting to wait for clarification for that. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, you know, I think I'll mention it and then we'll hopefully get clarification. But this is a 4-mana a 4-4 four, four Flample. When it ETBs for each player, destroy up to one non-basic land that player controls. For each land destroyed that way, its controller may search the library for a basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. It doesn't say target non-basic land, which is truly like we've never seen templating like that before. You, when you are choosing your opponent's land that you're killing, it's always destroy target land, and. If they wanted to get around that, usually they're more explicit of, or about it, like choose a land controlled by each player. And so this yeah, this is this is the the way the templating works. It would be like when the center is a battlefield for each player, destroy up to one target land that player controls. Yeah. Or if they didn't want it to target, it would say when the center is a battlefield for each player, choose a land that player controls and destroy it. Yeah. The way this card is worded. It just says destroy up to one non-basic land that players controls, where it's just like deleted the word target. Yeah. Like they didn't reword it so much as drop a word entirely, <laughs> which is why we're kind of like, is this typoed or like did something get missed or is this intentional? And this is just the first time it's ever been templated like this. Yeah, because I don't think it's. It, it feels like just a typo. If not, this does destroy Lotus Field, but just a, a, a bit of weirdness from the set that I am looking forward to clarification about. Yeah. I mean, if it destroys Lotus Field, sure, that's fine. Yeah. You'd have to find a deck that wants to play a, a two red, red, four, four flying trample. And then once you kill Lotus Field, you're going to win the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you.
Um, it's not really doing anything else in your sideboard. Nope, that's that's the purpose. <laughs> but yeah, just a bit of weirdness, and I think we can leave everything else for future episodes. Okay, that sounds good to me. Thank you all for listening. Really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, patreon.com slash MTG Grindcast. I will have an updated sideboard guide up for the Demir deck. And yeah, I, hopefully that is helpful to people. I, I have been having a lot of fun with the deck. I think it's quite good. And uh, some other people have started picking it up. So I think that's it for us. Have a great week. Goodbye. Good luck at RCQs. Until next time.